And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast, all about Aston Villa Football Club. And we just can't get a full side out. Holly Percival has cried off last minute due to Wi-Fi issues, but luckily, to say me doing the podcast on my own, we have got global Greg Evans back after a few weeks off. I guess, Greg, it's the injuries that kill you, isn't it? If you can't get a full side out, you're going to struggle. And at the moment, <laughs> you come back and then Holly cries off. Well, we just can't get it right. Yeah, I know. One day, Dan, one day. But it's nice to be back. Nice to see you. Nice to hear that voice. I know. Those dulcet tones, Greg. And you've, you've, built, you've dropped your mic. Lack of podcast experience. Been away for a few <laughs> weeks and he's thrown his mic on the floor. How are you, Greg? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, yeah. Um just been just been here, there, and everywhere over the last couple of weeks. That's what you do. Uh, yeah, kind of living up to my name, which I didn't think actually suited me, but it, it kind of has done in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll come on to that at some point during the podcast, because I've read your piece this morning. It was very, very good. Obviously, nice to see you living up to the nickname that I gave you as well. What is not good, again, is Villa, Greg, which is unfortunate, as we've got to do a podcast on, on Aston Villa. We either, we, we either like win a few games... We lose three or four in a row at the moment. It's just not great, is it? It's just a mid-table jobbing side, and that, that's where we are at the moment. But it can be frustrating for supporters. And I would say it's quite frustrating to podcast about as well. Yeah, it's quite hard, actually, being a being a mid-table reporter as well, because yeah. you, you're kind of up and down in, in, in your reports that you're writing. And, and it feels like feels like I'm a bit of a broken record when I, when I go to games now, because if Villa win... Um, I almost try and write about them turning a corner and how well they're doing. Um, yet if they lose, it almost feels like they're just not quite there. Um, but I suppose that's what happens when, when you're a mid-table team, don't isn't it? You know, you you typically win and lose around about the same amount of games, draw a couple, um, uh, and your points sort of average out that way. It just feels like for Villa, they've left a few results out there. I think under under um, Stephen Gerrard. Um, I think if you look over the 20 games that, that Gerard or 19, is it, that, that Gerard has been in charge, um, it's not actually that bad compared to some of the other teams. I think Villa will probably be, I think Villa would be ninth um, under Steven Gerrard if points had started um, from when he was, from when he'd taken over. So uh, a little bit better than maybe where their position is at the moment in the Premier League. Um, the, diffi- the, the frustration for supporters is they don't want to be ninth, they want to be kicking on and they want to be closer to sixth or seventh. Um, and, and that is the aim. Perhaps, you know, Villa need another season. Um, perhaps they need to give Steven Gerrard another transfer window to build his own team and really install his, his, his philosophies. Um, but it just feels like Villa just can't get near the teams that are above them at the moment, either when they play them or in terms of how many points they've accumulated. Can't draw a football match either. <laughs> the win or we lose. So I think we've drawn three games this season. 16 defeats feels really big. I think until last night, Everton had lost one more than Villa. I think it's two more now because they lost to Burnley last night. You know, 16 games is a hell of a lot of games to have lost. 
That's what I mean. It's 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 a tough one to analyse because bit of a mid table, so you you can look at it two ways. You can you can look at it from the positive angle that they've they've won a few more than last year at this point, um, but they've also I think, but they've also lost, um, you know, more than they had more than they did in the entire season last season. So look, there are issues there, but I suppose teams that change a manager midway through a season typically have problems anyway. Um, and unfortunately, the, the the start was a bad start for Villa. You know, they mm. went through that tough run um, under Dean Smith where they lost five in a row. Um, and if you're wanting to get into the top six or seven, which Villa, you know, so desperately are now, you can't have these runs. And, and Gerard's had a couple of um, difficult runs as well. But the, 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 the issue is too many individual mistakes. Giving good teams a head start, which is happening way too often now. Even Even when you look at the... The results against Man United, Villa picked up four points against Man United this season. But the home game, they, they gave them a head start. They were two 0 up, and, and you know, in in another in another week, that that could have gone against them. So that's the issue for them at the moment. They just can't seem to play a full ninety minutes, um, and that's opening up many problems. There's a big gap from eighth now to to where to where Villa is. I mean, there's a pretty big gap from eighth to, to ninth. Actually, Villa have only got one less point than ninth, but Burnley eighteenth. They've lost three less games than Villa. <laughs> Admittedly, they've played a game less. The league, I think it's been a weird season in general. I think it's a really weird Premier League season to, to analyse, but yeah, Villa are safe. But we've lost three more games than the team that's sat in the bottom three. I know, Dan, but look, you wouldn't want to swap with them, would you? No, 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 no. It's just, I just find it... When you, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, when you lose the amount of games that Villa have, things probably feel worse. If you just picked up a few draws mm. in there, probably things don't feel as bad. But when you're losing so much, I think it possibly makes us all feel things are a little bit worse than they are. Yeah, I suppose I suppose it, it, it's because every defeat is, is um, you know, so disappointing, isn't it? Regardless of how, how, it, how it comes. If you lose to Man City, you're still just as disappointed, um, you know, as if you've lost to one of the lower teams. Cause it's still a defeat. And when they add up, like they have done for Villa in, in the last couple of months, and to be fair, during the start, you know, it's not like any new patterns have emerged. I think Villa are actually uh, picking up more points under Gerrard than they were under Smith. So yeah, they will do. So you know, he, he, I'm not pointing it at Steven Gerrard or, or, or what he's done. Of course, I'm not. You know, because it's been a. It's that's where Villa are. That's just where they are at the moment, and. Things need to change if they're going to kick on. It's not as easy. I've been saying this for for a couple of years now. It's just really not that easy to progress into those uh, to every position that Villa try to get higher. Now it's difficult. Yeah, it's probably easier to fall down the table and get dragged into mm. being a relegation side than it is to break into that that top eight. Or not well, top eight. I think you look at the table at the moment. It's harder to make make your way into that top eight than it is to fall into being a relegation threatened team. I would guess a couple of things off the back of of what you've said. You know, this, I don't like doing this, but you know, Villa have had these runs now under two managers, mm. so. You have to look at the players, yeah, really, yeah. In, in, in my opinion, because they lost five in a row under Dean Smith, littered with problems, littered with errors. They then picked it up under Gerrard, but then went, went on a run and won one in eight. We're now in a run of losing three in a row that could quite easily turn to four or five again. You have to look at the players when, when that's going on, in my opinion. Yes, you do. And if you look through the team now, I think you've only got Matt Cash and John McGinn who haven't lost their place this season. You know, haven't been pulled out of the of the team by either one of the managers. Um, 
Yeah, McGinn's missed a couple of games through injury. And did, did he miss one through suspension as well? Possibly. But, you know, he's never been pulled out of the team. So, but that's two outfield players out of 10 positions. So you're looking at eight players plus others who have, who have, come, who have been pulled out of the team for either lack of form. Inconsistencies. Inconsistencies or other players performing better than them in training, etc. That's what you want, you know. If, you, if, if, if a player is performing really well in training and takes the place of another player because he's exceptional, great. That's what Villa are after. But Villa are pulling players out because they're not quite doing it. And, you know, you can look, you can look across the board. Even Tyron Mings missed a game, didn't he, under Dean Smith? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was bitterly disappointed and, and felt that it was the wrong call, But uh, which I'm sure some of the others would have as well. But every player's been pulled out. Douglas Louise came out of the team against, um, against Wolves at the weekend. And we've... We've criticised Louise at times and, and, and me in particular, I've pointed the finger at him and, and I've said, I think he's perhaps the problem um, on why Villa are shipping so many goals and, 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 and letting in so many, uh, opening themselves up to so many chances because he doesn't protect the back four as much as uh, a defensive midfielder should. But every player that's played in that position when he's not there, other than maybe Marvellous Nakamba for a few games, has been the same. So... Douglas Louise, for me now, isn't massively the problem because it feels like it's more of a collective thing. Villa do need a, a, a new holding midfielder, of course they do, we know that, and that might help them next season. But across the board, players have underperformed this season from defence all the way through to attack, and that's been the key issue. Yeah, I mean... They haven't had any consistency. No, I suppose that leads quite nicely into the, into the Wolves game, and Louise was taken out for a game. It's easy to say this with hindsight, and I've said this on other podcasts. You know, it's easy for me to sit here and criticise that decision now because we lost the game and we were absolutely ripped apart in the first half. Got through the midfield and the defence way too easily. He said that Sanson had trained well, which fits in with what you're saying. You know, if someone trains well, they should get a place in the team. I understand that, but to then to take Louise out, who's not even a defensive midfielder himself, but at the time, the only fit player who you think can even do a 60-70% job there because he has played there before. To move McGinn into that position, it's not his position at all, in my opinion, playing as a lone number six. You've completely disrupted the midfield. If you're going to put Sanson in, take McGinn or Ramsey out. I don't understand why you'd curtail McGinn and put him in a position that just doesn't suit him at all. And it obviously didn't work because Villa did get ripped apart in, in that first half. Do you see what I'm saying? He, hmm. He's like disrupted the team to get Sanson in. But he should have taken out Ramsey or McGinn. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, Gerard's the guy that watches them every week in training. He knows, no, exa- he knows exactly what he's trying to get, what he wants to get. And, and Are look, you telling me McGinn's a defensive midfielder? I, I'm not, Dan, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is we, we, we've had this conversation over and over again. You know, for, for multiple weeks of this season after defeats. The issue Villa have got is John Mc, John McGinn, Morgan Sanson, Douglas Louise, Jacob Ramsey, Carney Chuklameka, the five midfielders that are available to Villa at the moment, none of them are defensive midfielders. So one of them has to play in there, right? Douglas Louise has been playing in there for a while. Come under a little bit of criticism, was taken out. John McGinn was 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 played there instead. It could have been Morgan Sanson, it could have been Chuck Carney Chuck it could have been Jacob Ramsey. 
the, out of the four of those, the one that's probably the most likely to to have a little bit of a defensive mindset for me would be McGinn. I, I kind of agree with the decision. I haven't seen Sanson as a, I haven't seen enough of Sanson to know whether he's any better than McGinn or Louise um, at doing that defensive midfield role. But someone's got to play there, and literally those are the options available to him. No, I, I get think, that. I think Ramsey is the player that maybe a lot of supporters expected to be taken out for Sanson. In, in, in the last few weeks, I kind of expected it, but clearly Gerard is seeing, um, you know, something different in him in training. What he's what he what he brings, um, perhaps perhaps taking him out of one of the previous three games. In hindsight, now Villa have lost all three of them, might have been the right thing to do. But I think what he can potentially bring you in terms of his running ability, yeah, uh, the fact that he's scored more goals than any other Villa player this season. Um, his um his youthful exuberance, his um um ability to to produce a moment of magic which we have seen. I think all of those added up um in Gerard's mind and thought, I'm taking too much of a risk if I take him out. But it's easy for us now to say, looking back, Villa have lost the last three games, he probably should have been taken out. Um so it's 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 a balancing act, I think, for them at the moment. That there are there are there are five good midfielders there. You know, I feel like I'm giving them quite a bit of stick, but there are five good midfielders there. It's just not quite balancing out in the way that a top six slash seven aspiring Premier League team need it to be. I understand everything you've just said. And I actually, you know, Ramsey wouldn't be the one that would come out, in my opinion, at the moment. I'm, I'm, I sound like a pick on McGinn and I really don't mean to, but I'm just not seeing the John McGinn that I know he's there. He's such a good player. But I'm not seeing the performances from John McGinn that I would expect. And, and that's been the case for the majority of the season, in, in my opinion. Now, you've played him as a, as a lone six. And his natural game is, you know, carrying the ball, shielding off players. That's what he does. In the first half, early on in the first half, he's obviously ended up in a position to try and play his natural game, which isn't his fault. That's what he does. But in doing that, because he's the lone number six, he slipped, which again isn't his fault. These things happen, although I will say Villa players were falling over all over the place in the first half and the Wolves players weren't, which I don't really understand. But there we are. That's football. Mm, strange, but isn't he, it, that? Yeah. But he's gone into an area and lost the ball as a lone six playing his own natural game and we've shipped a goal off it mm. because he's the last midfielder and there's no protection and they've ripped us apart. Esri Concer's then slipped over as well. We made a couple of excellent blocks, by the way, and still been punished because Johnny's fired at home with an unbelievable finish. But you see what I'm saying? In getting Sanson in the team and moving things around, McGinn's doing what comes naturally to him and it's cost us a goal. So I'm saying it's not the manager's fault and I'm also saying it's easy to look back in hindsight. <laughs> but that, that kind of thing's cost us. Yeah. I mean, look, you know that, but that's what the report I wrote about. You know, it's, it's individual errors. McGinn slipping over. Of course, he hasn't aimed to slip over. No, no, no. Is, of course not. But, but it, but it, but it is still, you know, it still goes down as a mistake. Unfortunately, Konza, he didn't aim to slip over. But again, it still goes down as a mistake. The two of them slipped over. I think what I didn't quite notice at the game and, and watching back on the replays was McGinn was McGinn absolutely burst his bollocks off to get back and made a brilliant. Uh, yeah, he did. Block. Yeah, made a did. brilliant, brilliant block, and, and you probably won't get that from many of the midfielders that have slipped um, on the halfway line to get back into the box and make a brilliant block. Um, 
but Villa just couldn't get couldn't get it clear. It was a horrible goal to concede because it just felt like error after error and just an inability to get rid of the ball. Um, so it was horrible watching uh, um, and concede it like that. But that is the issue for Villa at the moment. And Individual errors. Yeah, and and like I asked, I asked Gerard that specifically. I said, you know, you you can set up your team and 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 take criticism for setting it up the wrong way, can't you? But what can you actually do when your team keeps making individual errors? And he kind of said, well, look, you know, we all have to work on it together. We all have to try and iron out the creases and, you know, cut out the mistakes. But it's happened too often for Villa, unfortunately. And that's what's costing them at the moment. You take out some of the individual errors and, and, and Villa are flying up towards the 7th or 8th. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Tara Mings then makes a ricket two minutes later and Villa nearly concede off, off that and because I players falling over all over the place and the second goal it looks like a, a horrific error from Ashley Young and it is but it's come from him slipping over as well he was slipping kind of panicked a little bit as the ball came between him he's ended up planting a lovely header past Emmy, Emmy Martinez I mean Ashley Young again you know Luca Dean's got a bad tummy had to come off the pitch Ashley Young's finds himself in in the, in the team yet, yet again but it goes down as a as another error, and it's just it's an error. Yeah, I mean, however you want to say it, it's an error. And uh, you know, however, five goals. Sorry, Greg, five goals in a row against Wolves across across the last ten minutes of the of the first game at Villa Park, and then the opening half against them at Molineux. You will not see five worse goals conceded. Oh no, I, I mean, it, it was it, it was really embarrassing. If you put the last ten minutes against Wolves and the first ten uh, first fifteen minutes against Wolves in the last game together. You know, you, you wouldn't believe Aston Villa were a Premier League team. The, the, they were absolutely littered with errors. You know. I, saw, I saw those goals again at Villa Park before the game. I'd forgotten how bad the goals were. I mean, you can say in three and ten minutes, it's yeah. bad anyway, isn't it? But when you look at the quality of goal... Horrendous. Wolves won't believe, not their luck, because they deserve to win at Molyneux completely. I've got no compliance with the results, but they won't believe the goals that they've scored. No, they, they were they were, they were were given... The Wolves didn't win it at, at Villa Park. They were given it. You know, it was, it was... I remember speaking to people in and around me at that point, and I said, look, that's a, that's a, um, that's a performance and a result that can ruin a season and lose a manager his job, you know, and, and Villa never recovered from it and Dean Smith lost his job. And the season's, uh, you know, gone away from Villa, hasn't it? They're going to finish mid-table at best. There's a lot of work to be done, Dan. It's, it's, for me, it's not quite as bad as 
people are making out and and so those and losses, no, it is the losing that amount of games. Yeah, and the conversation we've had seems very negative, and it seems like it's been really bad for Villa. But look, under Gerard, they've picked up. I think they're ninth in the table in terms of points picked up since Gerard t- took over, which isn't too bad. It's just the, the amount of losses with, that, that seem to have made it worse. But there's there's time to make it right. You know, Steve, Stephen Gerrard's safe in his job. You know, he's gonna be he's gonna be the Villa manager next season unless something ridiculous happens in in these final few games. Um, you know, which I'm pretty sure it won't. But uh, there's there's time to put this right. Next season's the big one for Villa. Yeah. Another thing is, is that you know, a few years ago, I'd have killed for a mid-table safety season. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. killed for it. I was fed up of either trying to get out of the bloody championship or try and stay in the Premier League. Yeah, that was all we'd had for probably a decade. You know, a safe mid-table season last season, and again and again this season. You know, you've got to be careful what you wish for in 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 some ways because we're saying it's a bit boring and it's hard to cover and th- and things like that. But I don't want to be worrying about what league I'm going to be in every season. No. So in no. that respect, it's a good thing. It's just obviously doing doing podcasts. It becomes difficult when you when your team is very inconsistent and they either win or they lose, and they seem to be in patches that those those defeats and those, and those victories as well. So it is it's difficult. But yeah, you do have to be careful what you wish for a little bit. Yeah, and and and, and let's just switch off from from the day to day for a minute. You know, which I, I remember doing an interview with with um, a guy called Mads Davidson, and um, he's he's a technical director who who works. In Qatar at the moment, but he he was a football consultant and and he wrote a book actually um, explaining why you have to think strategically and long term in football and and how he would never work at a club um, who who were only worried about the next the last three results and the next three results. Yeah, you always have to think about the bigger picture. And if and if, if we're just stepping back a little bit and think when Nasif Sawiris and Wed, Wes Edens took over in two thousand and eighteen. Um, they, you know, they looked at Aston Villa, a club absolutely crippled um, financially, struggling in the Championship, um, and, and they looked at it and they and they drew up drew up a five year plan. You know, we we hear the five year plan; it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? Now, but um, you know, we, they 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 drew up a five year plan, and and the plan was to get back into um, the Premier League and be competing with the top teams again. And if you think five years ago, I mean. You know, it's 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 almost like a bit of a bit of a dream back then. But Villa got promotion in the first season, achieving their brief. They stayed up the following season, achieved their brief, and then the next two seasons they finished mid-table. Well, you know, they're heading for a mid-table finish this season. To me, that's that's pretty much how it works. If you if you're if you're trying to progress as a football club, you know, it, it's not easy to to get out of the championship, stay in the Premier League and get into the top seven European football within two, three, four seasons. You know, it's really hard. It's a real challenge. And and for me, Villa are... Villa are... They're probably about where they wanted to be, but that's still an extremely hard thing that they've done. And, you know, if you think about it, promotion, survival, two seasons establishing themselves as, as a Premier League team again. Now, next season, kicking on to Europe. That's some. That's an incredible five years if they still do it. Yeah, and if it were better in the second half, it wouldn't have taken much. But they, <laughs> they were definitely a little bit better in the second half. But Nakamba coming back, oh, I think he comes straight back into the team, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I've been critical of him in the past on, on podcasts and, and, and whatnot, but you can't argue that when he was in the team under Steven Gerrard, we were a lot better. And I will say, like John McGinn, for example, when Nakamba was there, 
he was a lot more effective in football matches as well. So you would think Nakamba being back might might really help Villa. Because when Gerard came in, you thought, I can see what Gerard's doing here. I can see the style of football. I can see what he wants to do. Nakamba was in the team. Yeah, 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 definitely. I I, I would agree with you. I'd like to see Nakamba back in there. Um, I hope it wasn't just the players giving um, an extra 5-10% at that time. Um, and it was helping the camber look better because everybody else collectively were playing a little bit above themselves. Well, he'll give the, that anyway, won't he? He'll give that work right, whatever happens in the camber. He's, yeah, he's one of yeah, those players, I mean, isn't he? The, I mean, the, the, the point I'm trying no, to make No, I know what you're is, saying, yeah. It, it, it was early into Gerard's reign. Every player had lifted his, it lifted their tempo a little bit, so they were all playing a little bit better than, than they perhaps previously were and all giving a little bit more. Um so were we looking at Nakamba thinking Nakamba's the difference or was it actually just the whole group were a difference and Nakamba was also playing well and a part of that? So if Nakamba does come back and is available, um, then I'd like to see him back in the team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we'll see how good he is in this, in, this, um, in this Steven Gerrard side. What Villa will need to do is play to his strengths, which are tracking runners, um, winning the ball back and moving the ball to somebody very close to him because we know that his passing ability isn't as good as others. He, you know, he's not as good on the ball. He's nowhere near as good te- technically as good as Douglas Lee. Suddenly, he suddenly became decent on the ball, didn't he? He was certainly better. Yeah, but we, we you know, no disrespect for Mar- to Marvis and the Camber, he's probably one of the. Well, he is the least technical out of the, the six midfielders available to Villa. So, yeah. you know, he played to his strengths. Put the right people around him, and Villa might th- uh, flourish. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him back because at the moment, you know, Coutinho wasn't in the game on Saturday, and you do think it's because of the dysfunction in midfield. You know, if the, if the midfield's functioning a little bit better with Nakamba in there, you know, we might get the ball to Coutinho a little, a little bit quicker as well, and get him in some space where he can re- wreak some havoc because he just wasn't in the game at all. He got dragged for Buendia as well. Buendia, is pretty unlucky not to be in the team at the moment. Oh, I think, but I, I don't see. How you, you well you can't fit him Bailey Ings Watkins it just doesn't work oh, no. so someone's many, always going to have to miss out players. but Buende is unlucky not to be in that side at the moment yeah very unlucky uh, I, I think Leon Bailey did you know needed a, needed a run out he needed to show whether he could do it or not he didn't um, Coutinho hasn't performed away from home for, for me hasn't had a good game away from home not one single game um, scored a goal against Leeds a little bit lucky really but he hasn't um, hasn't played well away from home at all. I would be tempted if I was the manager to to, to drop either. Well, I'm sure Bailey won't start, um, but I'd be tempted to drop Coutinho for Buendia in the next game, and maybe have a look at Traore. I'm not sure I agree with that. Can't be taking Coutinho out of that team. I don't think. Um, well, I mean, Coutinho on his day is the best player in that Villa team. Yeah, he's got that magic, but Emi Buendia can play in a similar way and I feel that the last couple of performances which have followed three defeats remember Coutinho's played and started every single game I'm not saying he's the problem but Buendia is, is very similar to him so maybe you know maybe maybe that change might be might help I can't see how Leon Bailey starts the next game because he was he was very poor I get what you're that, saying there I do, I, do, I do understand you know when you've lost three in a row when you're not, I mean, you've not played well as a team. It sounds like I'm not giving, like, completely defending Coutinho and having to go to everyone else. But Coutinho isn't going to have a good game if the whole team's not playing well because he isn't going to pick up the ball in dangerous positions. 
the chips are down. He's not really that kind of player. He's not a luxury player, but you know what I'm saying. He's a mm. he's, he's your most talented indivi- individual that's in, that's in that team. He's not he's not an all action midfielder at all. So he's probably not going to be noticed as much in the game when the chips are down. I just don't think you can take him out. And also, you know, we want to get him in the summer on a permanent deal. Yeah, put him on yeah. a bench probably isn't going to get that over the line. No, I get that, and and and, and perhaps you're right. Um... Yeah, I'm 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 happy to leave that to the listeners to discuss. And if I'm wrong, for you know, if everyone, you can't you can't if, be if wrong. It, if if everyone thinks uh, Coutinho deserves to to keep his place and and Wendy stays on the bench, then then fair enough. I just think after th- I just think it it wouldn't be a massive surprise, or it wouldn't be a majorly. Yeah, I, I just think it wouldn't be a surprise if Wendy came in for Coutinho. I, if that if if Steven Gerrard went went with that on on Saturday against Tottenham, I, I would think fair play. You know, I, I, but. Patrick I don't think he'll drop Coutinho. The more I think about it now, <laughs> yeah. the more I don't think it'll happen. But I've just talked you out of it. You have a bit. This is why I do. I've talked you out of it. Completely. You have a bit, yeah. And anyone yeah. else that was agreeing with you, hopefully I've talked them out of it as well. I forgot it was Tottenham on yeah. Saturday. And the more I think about that now, the more I think, yeah, he's just going to go with Coutinho, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll talk about the Spurs game little bit later on in the podcast but don't forget the moment you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months head to theathletic.com slash villapod you'll get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts that's theathletic.com slash villapod and if we can tempt people in Greg you've released a lovely little piece this morning in-depth interview with Andre Green out in Bratislava Love going on your travels, don't you? So for you, you I mean, I imagine going to do an interview, you're buoyed before you've already gone because you, you know, you're going abroad. That's what you're all about. That's the Greg Evans <laughs> mantra. But it's a really interesting piece because he's very honest, which is always good for an interview. But I kind of felt like he went into depth about um, nice his feelings and emotions. That's not not the, not the right term. It's a mentality. Mm. He talks about being nervous and 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 get, getting worried about things as a footballer, and I think that's always quite refreshing to read because. Footballers are human beings. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what I like about the athletic the most now is is that I get to spend some really quality time with people um, when I do these stories. You know, previously it, it would be a quick 10, 15 minute interview with people but um, and then, you know, write something up on the back of that. But I'm spending good time with, with, with people now ahead of interviews, before interviews, after interviews and really finding out about them. And, and I feel that, uh, you know, I can tell their story, that they can... Andre was a little bit nervous about it. I, you know, I really had to push him and and, and convince him to do it. What the interview in general? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's he's a, he's a shy, quite quiet lad, and you know, he just wants to he just wants his football to do the talking. Really, he just wants to go and play, um, and and not always talk about it. So I did have to push him to do the interview, and I said, look, you know, I want to tell people back in England what it's like playing in Slovakia. Um, you know, I want, I want to, I want to talk about your experiences over there, your bravery to go over there, why you went over there to do this, to play over there when you could have stayed in England, um, which most footballers in their early twenties tend to do, and he, and he, and he agreed to do it eventually, um, and we spent three days together. Um, you know, he showed me around the, he showed me around Bratislava. I went and watched a game with um, alongside his girlfriend um, and his representatives. And it was really interesting. It was eye-opening to to see what it was like over there because it's not something I've experienced at all. Slovakian football, you know, the Slava and Bratislava, who he plays for, are top of the league. They've got a, a group of, of, of foreign players um, in the team of which Andre is a part of. 
Um, and when we sat down and, uh, and turned the tapes on and, and talked about Villa and Sheffield Wednesday and some of the loans and coming through and some of his old teammates and what it was like playing at Wembley and what it was like, you know, being the youngster coming through at Villa who everybody was talking about, he really started to open up and just what became so clear was that he was a player who used to play with a bit of fear and he was scared when he went out. To, he was scared of doing things wrong. Mm. And as non-footballers, Dan, I think it's something that we don't realise, you know, how difficult it is to go out there and play for a massive club like Villa when you've got 40,000 fans watching you every move and, 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 and getting on the back of you if you do it wrong um, and expecting you to always do it right. And then, but also playing with players you know, really top senior players um, who have been there and done it for years and years and years and expect you to also be at their level. And then you've obviously got players like Jack Grealish and John McGinn who are excellent as well. Um, but you've got a group of really talented players, a group of really senior players, and they all expect the young players to, to be on that level as well. And I think for Andre, it was just... It was just a little bit too much too soon for him. Um, and he admitted that in the story. You know, it's f- 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 I won't go into too much detail about no. what he said because go, go and have a read of the story. That that explains it all fully. Um, but it was just he was just too young. And if he was in that position now, he'd be a completely different player. Partly due to the fact that he's had to go to Slovakia, open up his mind to, to a different country, live out there with, with just him and his girlfriend and his dogs. And and, and and fend for themselves um, and go into a training ground where they don't speak the language, learn a different philosophy. Um, and he's playing with pressure every single game because at Slovan Bratislava, they they are expected to win every game. They're, if they lose, it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. So one of the quotes he said were, you know, to me in the story was, if I'm at Wembley now, I will not be playing without fear. Uh, I will not be playing with fear. So it'd be interesting to see what happens in, in, in his journey now. But he's a much stronger, rounded character for this. Yeah, credit to him. It's brave. Go over and play in, in Slovakia, in, in my opinion, especially when you have struggled with a little bit of confidence issues as well. So I credit him for testing himself and going out there and doing that. Doing that. It's a really interesting read. As Greg says, if you not haven't read it, Go and read it. And if you're not signed up to The Athletic already, you can do so at theathletic.com slash fillerpod. And it'll be a pound a month for just the first six months. So what a great time to go and do that with Greg's piece with Andre Green. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Some of the great news, Greg. Well, not, I'd like to say some of the great news. There hasn't been any great news so far in this podcast. Um, some good news for Villa is that Matty Cash has signed a five-year contract. A big moment for the family, Greg, and in turn, a big moment for you as an extended member of that family. <laughs> yeah, I was pleased for I was pleased for Cash. Um, nice to know that 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 uh, that he's staying at Villa for a, for another couple of years. Well, five years, isn't it? His deal. Yeah, yeah. So rightly rewarded as well. Probably the most reliable and consistent performer for Villa this season. Um, certainly in, in the outfield positions. So fully deserved. Villa wanted to reward him for for. Um, his work and his performances, he's he obviously had improved terms, um, more security over the future. And, and that will end any any talk of, of Atletico Madrid signing him in the summer. There was definitely interest. Yeah, I was going to say they wanted him, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they were interested in January and, and, and they were considering firming up a, a, a formal bid uh, this summer. So, yeah, they won't even bother now because they know they won't be able to get him. In my opinion, just by the fact you've just said he's been our most consistent outfield player, that now makes him player of the season. I think he was good. Yeah. When we played three at the back and we were struggling a little bit, I thought he was the only one that was playing to a level at that, at that point. You know, I think all through the season, Matty Cash has been very, very consistent. I think he had a difficult first game against Watford, but since then, he's at, he's been pretty consistent every single game and he's become a really key player for Villa. And Gerard likes him as well, obviously. Yeah, and I think it probably goes back to what I said earlier in the pod, you know, the fact that... Cash and McGinn are the only two outfield players who haven't lost their place on you know on form or or, or perceived to be uh, form from the manager. So yeah, that kind of explains it all, doesn't it? He's been very reliable. Yeah, and he'd be going to the World Cup as well, weren't he, Greg? And you know, obviously you've been away yourself. You know, so many Villa players on international duty nowadays, but Villa are going to have a lot of players at the World Cup by the looks of things. Yeah, big thing. I think they probably have seven or eight players over there, which, which will be great. You know. Um, I think for for Cash, the, the decision to to represent Poland, who he qualifies for through his mother, was justified because they they qualified for, for for the World Cup, and that's what he wanted to to do. He wanted to play international football at the big tournaments, showcase his talent, and yeah, maybe he would have got an England call up because yeah, he might have done. Kyle Water Peters got looked uh, was looked at, but I think long term, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold and Rhys James. They just provide that little bit more, don't they? They're, they're, they're better players than him, I'd say. Um, but, you know, excellent news for Cash. Con- new contract, qualifying for the World Cup. He's kicking on in his career and he's only 24 years old. Yeah, he looks very, very happy. He looked very pleased with himself in the in the interview on Villa TV. I would say as well, actually, declaring for Poland, I think it's given him some form of lift. I think it's made him a bit more a bit more confident. And I, I, I think it's helped him that, you know, he made that yeah. decision. It's been good for him, you know, playing with Lewandowski and training with Lewandowski must be absolutely brilliant as as well. Yeah. But I think he's lifted him. He's learned, you know, he's learning new things. Like we're just talking about Andre Green there, going over to Slovakia and and opening opening up his mind. For Cash, you know, it's similar in a way. He's he's going into a dressing room where, yeah, they speak English, but they all interact, you know, in Polish. He's he's had to um, learn about new things culturally. He's gone over there as a, as an outsider and and, and had to fit in, um, you know, in in a, in a close knit group. Um, he he spent a lot of time with Lewandowski and and learned about how you know how Lewandowski, one of the best strikers in in world football, um, looks after his body and 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 um, I think his wife's a nutritionist, so you know he's learned about 
eating eating the right foods over a long period of time and how that helps it will just widen his his knowledge and, and make him a better pro and and benefit villa because he's getting exposed on the international stage against different opponents and it will sharpen up his game he scored a couple of goals as well you know so obviously picking up a thing or two off Lewandowski in training for Poland I'm very sure three goals from right back pretty decent that's a, that's a good record I would say yeah and, he, and he, I think it's three goals and four assists for cash this season which is decent and you know he's, he's spoken on, on Villa TV a couple of times saying that he wants to try and get up there with uh, Alexander Arnold and James in terms of their numbers so that's one of his aims and targets and, 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 he, and he's getting closer towards them yeah, Kane Kessler-Hayden doing very well MK Dons, I think it is that he's. I think he got another Man of the Match award in the week. You know, he might be back next season pushing Matty Cash as well. And then you know that's that, that's good. That's what you want to see a player coming up through the academy and putting pressure on a, on a first team player. So Villa could be very well stocked in the right back position next season. This actually is bad news, but I'm going to dress it up sarcastically as good news. Tottenham head to Villa Park on Saturday. And the good news for Villa is is that Tottenham are in the best form of the season so far before they head up to Villa Park. Blimey, yeah. That, well, that, that was a positive way to end the uh, to end the podcast. Oh, good. It's, well, I feel like every team, every supporter of a team will feel this, but it's just vintage timing. Spurs are literally on fire at the moment. Villa are not. So, of course, we've got them in the on the fixture list. They're looking good, Spurs. I think. I think there was always going to be a point, you know, under such a, 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 um, an exceptional manager that, that they would hit good form. Um, Feels like Kane and, and, and Son are obviously combining really well, but they, they've got a nice balance in there now. Bentanker signing, you know, Kulusevski's a good player. Yeah, the, you know, Bentanker, the, the player Villa wanted, uh, has made a difference. Kulusevski's come in and, and, and chips in with, goal, uh, with quite a few assists, hasn't it? I think they they you know, really improved in in the January window. That that helped. That's what they needed. Got got rid of a couple of players who weren't quite doing it. Um, so yeah, it'd be a real real test. I think last time. Villa played Tottenham at Villa Park was the three-two, wasn't it? Just before COVID, the Bjorn Engels game. Well, it was the last time the fans were there. It was the last time the fans were there. Yeah, yeah, last time the fans. Uh, that's what I meant. Amazing. It feels like so long ago now. I, I did an inter- I did a, a feature with the Punjabi villains just before that game for, for the Athletic, and the Athletic felt quite new back then. But um, <laughs> well, <it was. laughs> time, times have uh, times have moved on quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the of the last time Villa beat Spurs at Villa Park, and the only one that's leaping out at me is. 2007-2008 season with Martin Larson and Melberg scoring in the game but surely it can't be that long since we've been in Tottenham at Villa Park but then I know Villa have got all kinds of horrid records so it probably is <laughs> yeah I, I can't remember either I, mean, I think you're right but I'll, I'll have a look into that later but, uh, but yeah look, it's, a, it, it's, it's an opportunity for Villa because they've, they've only beat they've only taken four points from 13 games against the top eight this season and all four of those were against Man United so it's it's an opportunity for for Villa to finally get a victory, um, or or try and take points off, off one of the teams above them and show that they are capable of challenging. I'm worried because they play the same system as <laughs> as Wolves, and I think Villa didn't do well against that system at the weekend. Hopefully they've learned something. But Tottenham are a lot better side than Wolves, and Wolves it felt like were ripping us apart at times going forward. So with Kane and Son in the form of the lives and Kulusevski put in there as well. I am a little bit concerned. But Doherty suddenly turned into yeah. the best wing back in the world as well, just as he as he comes to Villa Park. He's had good days at Villa Park before in the past. So I'm not going to lie, I'm actually a little bit concerned about Saturday. And I'm usually yeah, really look, confident you, going yeah, into games. Look, it's it's going to be a tough game, but look, it might work in Villa's advantage. You know, you know, if if there's if they have to set up a little bit more defensively, perhaps that that might that might help. Let's see what happens. We'll both be there anyway, won't won't we, Greg? So you know, yeah, getting back to Villa Park. To yeah, there's like I think there's two home games in the next month, and then the mm. month after there's like 
load squeezed into a really short four? space of time. Yeah. Got four in two weeks, three or four in two weeks. Yeah, so it's a weird. It's just been a weird season in general, hasn't it? There's all kinds yeah, of yeah. And there's, there's another week off, isn't the next week? Uh, you know, yeah. with, the, with the Liverpool game being rearranged, that's a bit annoying. Um, you know, it feels like at this point in the season, you you want at least a game every week, but. Um, I actually don't think I want to play Liverpool at the moment either. So maybe, it's not, maybe that's actually not such a bad thing that we're not playing at the moment because they're on absolute flames as is. Yeah. That does us for this week's iteration of 1874. Been great to speak to you again, Greg, after so long off. You got, you got any other travels coming up that I should know about? No, no. I mean, we're coming to what, like, it's the real business end of the season now, isn't yeah. it? So You've I'm, got to I be in the country. Be, I want to be around around England, you know, for all these games. I don't want to miss any games. Um, there's lots going on, you know, so I probably won't get away now until the summer which is fine by me I've been been away many different places over the last couple of weeks I think Poland Greece Scotland Slovakia been all over the shop what a nickname the nickname's rung rung true I would say that I gave you at the start of the season it's completely rung true completely justified (laughs) but thanks ever so much for talking to me today Greg you'll be back on the golf course as well soon so you know you'll be you'll be happy about that won't you Masters week love it Masters week it's always the start I'm off to the Belfry now, actually, for something, but I'll, uh, I'll tell you about that later. But yeah, thanks ever so much for listening to this podcast. Hopefully we've managed to make you feel a little bit more positive in some ways. I do feel like, it, you know, we did come up with a few positives in, in some ways in the way we spoke at the start, Greg, so that's a good thing. We'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll be able to get a full team sheet out because, as I say, we just can't get it right at the moment. But have a good rest of the week and hopefully we all enjoy Saturday at Villa Park. Up the Villa. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.